Hello, and welcome to Ish2Tech Talk, the podcast series from Ish2Tech, the hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. My name is Sumedha Sharma, and I'm the technical editor for Ish2Tech and your host for Ish2Tech Talk today. This week, we are speaking with Pavlos Papadopoulos, Market Development Manager, Hydraulic and Industrial Process Filtration Division, and Gary Wayne, Product Marketing Manager, Instrumentation Products Division, Europe, for Parker Hannifin. So before we get started with the discussion, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe and share the H2 TikTok podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trend in the hydrogen sector. It is easy to subscribe by simply clicking the subscribe button on iTunes or Blueberry. Pavlos and Gary, I'd like to welcome you to ish Talk. And to begin with, I'd like to invite you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your roles at Parker Hannifin and how do your projects integrate with the applications in the hydrogen industry? Certainly. Uh, it's Gary Wayne here from uh, Parker in the UK, so part of the Instrumentation Products Division Europe. And I'm based out of the uh, factory in Sheffield, uh, which has got the Bestabel um, valve brand in it. So Bestabel is, is known for cryogenic valves for the industrial gas sector. So we work with all the gas majors around the world, as well as our marine division that works with all the shipping companies around the world as well. So together with the industrial and the marine, we're working with cryogenics. And now that the hydrogen um, uh, industry is taking off in terms of uh, gas and liquid. So it's moving from um, the sort of grey hydrogen from the steam methane reforming period into uh, blue with carbon capture and then the holy grail being green hydrogen. Uh, Parker is very well placed to actually uh, provide all the solutions for the whole for the whole package, whether you're refueling, whether it's a static tank or whether you're uh, on board a marine vessel. So Parker having um, many, many technologies, including cryogenics, I think we're fairly, fairly well placed to service this new market. Uh, and my role uh, was product manager for Bestabel. Um, we're soon, soon to get a new product manager for Bestabel because I've been, I've been sort of covering for uh, a guy who left in November. So we're soon to have a new guy uh, who will be um, the Bestabel product manager as well. So we're, we're, we're adding to our uh, technology base, if you like, for people, which is great. Uh, and we're really excited to get involved in this in this lovely market uh, with hydrogen. Oh, just one more thing. Yeah, on the on the marine side, we'll, we'll get onto the marine side later. Let, let uh, Pavlos uh, tell you where, where he's at. Thank you, Gary. Um, my name is Pavlos Papadopoulos. I'm based out of Belgium. Uh, so-called center of Europe. Um, I'm working, acting in Parker since 2017. I came with a Clark Core acquisition. For those of you who are familiar, uh, Clark Core was coming as a filtration company, was a filtration company, uh, owning several brands, uh, some of them being active in the industrial process filtration. They have been, we have been integrated fully in the filtration group. Uh, so unlike Gary was in the instrumentation group, I'm in the filtration side. Um, on the filtration side, we have different business units, divisions. My division is hydraulic and industrial process filtration, which englobes 
uh, hydraulic sector, lifting engines, etc., uh, marine sector, uh, and real industrial oil and gas and chemical uh, sector, for which I'm responsible for. Uh, in my role as a market development, I'm helping and supporting the market, meaning our sales companies, sales teams, as well as distributors and users. I'm in discussion with licensors and EPC companies in regards of the, the various de developments on um, technologies that are existing. And of course, being in the oil and gas sector, which is seen as one of the biggest carbon emitters um, on the planet, we work in the oil and gas to help them decarbonize their sites and not only decarbonize their own site, but integrated, vertically integrated downside and decarbonizing their effluents as well, meaning fuels, meaning uh, produce plastics or petrochemicals or chemicals from from greener roots. And as Gary mentioned, we are the holy grail would be indeed on the long term green hydrogen where we work. We have solutions, but already now we work on gray and blue um, at, the, at the level of uh, of the refineries and uh, gas producers. Okay, thank you, Pablos and Gary. So, uh, is Parker needing to innovate, or uh, are you needing to develop new technologies, or have you been able to adapt your existing ones to meet the changing needs? Uh, as you can see, we can say that the hydrogen and what industry is constantly evolving right now right yeah yeah indeed we have um so so as the as the standards have developed uh then the uh parker have, have uh, um spent uh, a great deal of money in uh, getting our ec79 uh, uh getting the ec79 standard for a lock fittings so a lock has been around for a while um but the ec79 uh, has quite a lot quite a lot of stringent tests for the fittings and the material. So we've spent uh, quite a bit of uh, money and time to uh, get that standard approved for our A-lock fittings. So you'll see on the new catalogue we launched uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is which we we're talking about at the oil and gas show today. So, so our A-lock fitting is on EC79, and we're starting to integrate those fittings onto the valves as well. So a lot of our colleagues talked about manifolds, double block and bleed valves with A-lock ends. So we realize that a lot of the companies aren't just wanting a valve. Uh, they're wanting the whole solution. So they're wanting something to plummet into. And, and, and the airlock the ends is a perfect, uh, perfect example of that. Uh, where we're going for the high pressure. So we have our autoclave range. So we're at the moment, um, all the EC79 um, tests are going through now. We're just waiting for certification from the uh, governing body. And also the ISO standard for refueling stations. Uh, we've passed those tests as well, and we're just waiting for certification. And COVID's kind of helped held held thing uh, held held that up, really. I don't, it's just one of those things, I guess. Um, but uh, we, we're we, we've got the products, but we've had to go through some regulatory um, testing to approve. Uh, so it's um, so it's ready to go. But yes, yeah, so a lot of the products did did exist. Uh, we are finding through our RFQs uh, through our voice of customer that uh, we're looking for lighter weight, uh, smaller uh, valves and, and electronic uh, solenoid operated valves. So we're looking into that as well, building business cases to develop that because a lot of the sector is wanting smaller, smaller, lighter weight, faster products. 
mm-hmm. with, with some with some IoT in as well. So yeah. So that brings me to a curious question. Since you are involved, I'm assuming both with a little bit of the business side and with the technical development side, being in the managerial position here, uh, which has been more challenging? like the regulatory challenges uh, for adapting to the needs of the hydrogen industry or the technological challenges? I think, I think given that we, we already provide uh, stainless steel, uh, stainless steel face, uh, face seating valves, then it's not been the techni- technological challenges, so it's been more the regulatory because it does take quite a lot of effort to go through these regulatory changes, and that's just for industrial. You know, when we talk about marine, working with DMV uh, on the marine side as well. So there'll be lots of challenges around uh, because it's not the same as LNG. Uh, hydrogen, it's a different animal altogether. So although we, we, we do a lot of CNG work and LNG work, when you go into the hydrogen sector, it's, it is very different on the safety side. So it's more more regulatory than technical, I think, for us. Uh, okay. Pavlos can, yeah. That, yeah. That's in, yeah. That's in a way good. What? Do you think that is good or yeah. bad? Uh, it's bad for cost, but it's good that we've got the products. Yeah. 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 For us, um, in, in filtration, yeah. For us in filtration, it, I would say it's slightly different. I mean, there is a step, of course, in all the process. So, uh, Gary was mentioning about SMR or ATR, semi-methane reforming, orthothermal reforming. You have different steps in the process. Our technologies that are available for oil and gas in general, whether it is upstream, midstream, but let's talk about, let's compare more to downstream, which is closer to what the, the hydrogen need would be. Uh, we have existing solutions, whether it is for filtering, separating uh, a particle material solid from a, from a gas, particle material solid from a, um, a liquid, a gas from a liquid, a liquid from a liquid, uh, or removing hydrocarbon chains, we have existing technologies, proven ones. So we are applying them exactly in the processes of that you, you encounter in the SMR or ATR uh, processes. You have different steps requiring, whether it is on gas side requiring an amine treatment uh, sweetening on the gas itself. Well, we already work on that. We already work in the midstream uh, business with these technologies. So these are approved, but this is not directly working on an H2 stream. It's still at the CH4 uh, uh, format, I would say. Um, now, we have solutions as well that we are developing because afterwards on H2, you need to, 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 uh, to remove the, the oil mist from a compressor, for example, uh, that is existing in, in the H2 gas. Then we have coalescing technologies. At that level, yes, we might have to go through regulations and getting the equipment approved. But I'm speaking about the equipment itself. We provide filters. Filters don't need any approval. You just need to prove your customer that you are efficient enough and sealing inside so that you are efficient enough in not getting carryover on the downstream. Now, the vessel itself, the unit, yes, would have to, to, to comply with uh, hydrogen embrittlement uh, or, or, or whatever that you can find uh, on on chemical uh, sealing on on the ins and outs, but we didn't find yet very strange and regulatory uh, uh, impositions at our level. That will come. That will surely come at our level uh, very quickly. 
but you were speaking about uh, developments of technologies, we might have to go through more uh, uh, approval process for the new technologies that we plan to develop because we have some technologies that, for example, you can think about hollow fibers eh? uh, that we could develop to to meet, in fact, the needs at the level of a uh, gas um, yeah, sweetening side of the process. Um, so then it's a longer process and then we should we would have to go through a, a longer process of uh, approval and regulation, yeah. Thank you. So now that we've talked about your involvements with uh, gray hydrogen, I want to talk about green and blue hydrogen sector. Your products find application in hydrogen fuel cells. Could you please elaborate on those applications? Yes, so, so um, the UK has got a new hydrogen strategy. Uh, and part of that strategy in the UK is going to be around um, uh, carbon capture. So it's, carbon capture has been around a while, um, small projects, pilot projects in Canada. Uh, but I think it's going to get more and more attention. There's more and more investment going into it. And I think they've, you'll find that um, to bridge that gap between now and sort of 2030, 2040, um, blue carbon capture has got to be looked at seriously. Uh, obviously, it's um, it's a transition between between grey and green. Uh, it's not to be seen as as the end result. You, you've still got to uh, do something with the carbon. You can't just uh, can't just uh, put it in salt caverns. It's more utilisation um, type of thing. Um, but I guess our products, uh, whether it be fittings, valves, uh, manifolds, all those things we use in oil and gas now will still be pertinent in in carbon capture. Um, so, so we've not had a lot of development uh, in terms of products for carbon capture. We're more working on um, vehicles and trucks. So trucks and buses and rail is really where the growth market has been for the transport side. Um, so we're working with uh, all the fuel cell manufacturers and the truck and bus people uh, already. So, so I guess it's a transition from uh, LNG and CNG in truck and bus, which we already work with a lot of people on that. Uh, making up fittings and, and uh, pipe runs and various things for people, uh, and then it's a quite a quite a small step between that and, and hydrogen. Um, so, and then on the marine side, um, we're working with uh, with DMV on a project in Norway uh, for, and I think the early adopters of the marine side are going to be uh, small ferries that are around the fjords. So, I think they'll be the first fuel cell ferries. I think if you look on LinkedIn now, you'd find some uh, or some ships some small ferries already uh, using fuel cells. So I think they're going to be, they're going to be the early adopters for sure, because it's where, it's where a lot of diesel is coming into contact in cities. So a lot of people live around the coasts uh, in Norway and Nordics and Finland. So they'll be subject to high particulate uh, uh, in their areas. So I think the drive from the, um, from the Norwegian authorities will be to get that, to get those small ferries, diesel ferries right over to fuel cells. And I think that'll work perfectly because you've got the bunkering, you've got the refueling at the coast. The infrastructure is nearly there already. So we're working very hard with uh, the maritime industry uh, to, to look at standards and safety for hydrogen. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. On, 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 the, refinery, yeah, on the refinery side, um, I, well, of course, we work with on, on grey hydrogen because we work already on, on all gas applications and all gas upstream, uh, well, um, sorry, midstream business. So yes, uh, 
whether it comes to blue hydrogen, Gary is absolutely right. Until we are ready for ramping up into um, a ready-made uh, available market for green hydrogen, it will take a decade, according to the plans that we hear here and there, hydrogen council, etc. Um, and blue hydrogen is available. It's something people so-called just need to uh, invest in uh, storage. Um, and this is where the problem comes, I think. Uh, refiners, for example, would be ready to, to, to invest in storage. And they are already planning. When you hear about uh, the Rotterdam refinery, they have uh, um, filled a, a plan which is not yet approved and is facing some, some discussions for for a facility um where they could um, store all the uh, all the uh, uh the, the co2 the problem is that they don't see they see that as a short term investment of 10 years because afterwards there will be a ramp up for green hydrogen and and renewables um so i think there is a little bit an arms arm fight between uh uh private uh, sector like refiners who want to make money and the governments, so I'm sure that some of them would be very happy if governments would be investing with them in these uh, solutions. Now, at the light, at the light of the increase of capacities needed uh, from the chemical and petrochemical market on the growth of these market only, I think that the uh, carbon capture and storage is a uh, is a viable project on the long term Let, let's keep in mind that the the demand on just on the on the downstream of the refineries on petrochemical and chemical sector could increase by seven by uh, to, to seven seventy million tons if i'm correct um, by two thousand thirty so uh, mainly driven by chemicals growth only so it means that all these chemicals could be produced with the carbonate material that you get stored so it could add value actually to the refiners so i i strongly believe that uh, this this you call that not point so uh, the central point for the moment in discussion as soon as it uh, finds a, a um, um, an outcome there will be a lot of investment on on that side as well, and it will continue to live beside the green hydrogen uh, as well, for which we have technologies as well. But yeah. it's coming on the on on the longer term uh, in terms of capacities. Yeah, yeah. I think it's this, this part. Is, this, yeah, is key for the moment. I would say. Yeah. This is. I think it's this, this mix, now isn't it? Green, yeah. we prepare. Yeah, I think it's this mix the same as uh, same as vehicles, isn't it? It's not all going to be electric vehicles. It's not all going to be hydrogen. And it's not all going to be um, hybrids. It's going to be a mix depending on the application. So around the cities, you're going to have EV cars and lots of EV charging points. Uh, and then there's going to be a few hydrogen cars. Maybe people are doing uh, sort of sales reps who are doing thousands of miles a, a month or something. So maybe they'll move into the Toyota Mirai or whatever it may be. Um, but then the longer trucking will probably be better for the um, for the hydrogen uh, buses. Yeah. And then there's the and there's the IC engine conversions. We're working with a couple of companies that do IC engine conversions, so running uh, their engines on 100% hydrogen uh, technology. So that's that's an interesting area, and that's for um, like garbage trucks and things like that. And there's there's quite a few councils in the UK that have started projects uh, using that technology. 
And that's, again, that's an interim because you can get that now. You've got your IC engine in your truck. Why would you want to develop a new engine when you can already use, already burn hydrogen with an output of yeah. water? So it's, it makes sense. All, all, all the, the momentum uh, around green hydrogen is very much depending not only on technologies because technologies are developing and they are improving, but it's mainly the, the depending on authorities, governments, politics, because they see in the green hydrogen a way to to go for a for a second mandate or to go for a uh, to prolong their their jobs. When you think about blue hydrogen, this is more technological thought. This is more uh, uh, discussed between between the people who are operating the plants and want to decarbonize their their uh, their site. There is less attention from uh, from authorities, and and this is why you see so many differences in Europe. Well, um, let me take the wider Europe, including still. UK for the moment uh, in terms of, of geography. Please include us. It's okay. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> just because, just to say that you you will find different uh, decisions, political decisions on the different uh, on the different countries. Yeah, very different in Germany. You see now with the with with the new election, things will change again. You see a big a big trend in UK for uh, going uh, to the green hydrogen and a big investment. When you see the Teesside uh, project, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, something that is going to be massive. So different countries move at different speed on the green hydrogen. On the blue, we can see that ourselves from the technology level and we can approach the market in a, in a more yeah uh, technology push, I would say, approach, approach than, than the green. So um, no matter what, there is the human responsibility towards our climate and our planet, right? But there will certainly need to be business incentives for encouraging investments. Uh, so are there also invest, uh, incentives for companies like yours to invest in clean technologies and solutions? Or are you mainly market-driven and, of course, uh, climate responsibility-driven? Yeah. Some, hey, something. Okay, Parker is looking at hydrogen as very specific. I'm sure Parker would love to have incentives in the, in the, in these domains. Now, again, um, these incentives will depend mainly on the countries and on the governments. Some of them might want to move one step further than the others to be to be the leaders on the market, uh, leading country. Um, when we when we look at the potential in Northern Sea, I mean, when you see look at UK, Belgium, Netherlands, the Nordics, we have a fantastic potential with wind, for example, in renewables. And then, of course, governments are 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 pushing a little bit more. So I think we can have more in, in incentives when when all the parameters are connected, all the dots are connected, so that the authorities can they are confident that that will be good. Now, in, in the occasions where they don't monitor everything, incentives are expected, of course, from the different uh, um, authorities, but they are coming, coming very difficultly. So we cannot wait for that as Parker. We have to go first. And, and so we anticipate the market and we go for market first. And 
We need to listen to what the market is saying, not only the end users, but the technology providers, all the people pulling out process licenses, the people who will have to build the infrastructure, the EPC companies, and also what what the big the big companies are are deciding. When you look at the refineries, they already transformed themselves into into energy companies. And eh? look at some names that have changed recently. I, I'm not citing any name, but some big majors have changed to something energies. That tells a lot. They are not waiting for incentives. Thank you, Gary and Pavlos, for sharing your insights with the H2 TikTok audience. To our audience, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 TikTok podcast on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry. Thank you.